Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. This past weekend, we've had an exciting um, nation-building weekend. We've had a conference starting on Friday uh, all the way through to yesterday evening. And basically on Friday, we, we met with business people or professionals and people that are in the marketplace right here. And we had uh, 12 hour our, our pastors from, from Johannesburg, one is a businessman, the other one's a doctor, and they were ministering to us and just imparting grace. Because how many of you understand that the, the kingdom of God is not limited to the four walls of this room? And the church has too long relegated and abdicated its, its privilege to be part of changing the world to those who preach from here. And this weekend, we were really just charging everyone that's in the marketplace, whether you be a teacher, whether you be a business person, whether you be an engineer, whether you be a doctor or a lawyer, whatever it is, that you will begin to realize that God has a purpose for your life in the marketplace. Yeah? And so that was on, on Friday evening. And then Saturday early morning, we had a business breakfast with ver- various uh, business people uh, uh, from, from the city and um, just getting wisdom from them concerning how they live out their lives in, in the marketplace and express their faith. We were there with uh, the deputy governor of the Reserve Bank. Um, he was speaking on the panel. The, the MD of, of FMB, he was speaking on the, on the panel. Uh, the, the managing director or the managing partner for PWC. And they are all believers. Amen? Tell the person next to you, if you're a believer, you've got to be excellent. Yeah, because most of the time, if, if, you're hiring, if you're hiring someone, it should be that you can ask them, are you a Christian? And if they say yes, then you're like, okay, top of the list. Why? Because of integrity, because no complaining, right? <laughs> just look straight, just look straight. No complaining, you know, always a positive attitude. Always on time, always going the extra mile, always saying thank you for the least things. Right? Look at your neighbor and ask, are you a Christian? <laughs> yeah. And so, and so we, we, we were sharing about these kind of things. It's so important that you realize that Christianity starts on Monday. And, um, and then in the evening, we had a session called God and Politics. And we had a panel. Um, Graham Hopwood is a, a political analyst in town. And he was giving us a history of the involvement of the church in the political landscape from the time of the German uh, colon- colonial time. And giving us that, that background, many of us who are millennials, you've got a little bit no interest in that kind of thing. And you think that you just erupted from a tree. But there is legacy behind where you come from. And the, the saying goes that if you, if you neglect history, you are doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. And so we were there having debates. At some point, it got a little bit controversial, you know, because you're talking politics, people are going to mention the unmentionables. But the bottom line is that the church is not in chains. The Word of God, the Apostle Paul said it this way, even though we be in prison, the Word of God is not in prison. And he said, I am willing to be in chains as long as I can preach before Julius Caesar, before Caesar. 
before the emperor. And so this week we are starting a new series called Nation Building. And the intent of this series over the next four weeks is really to give you a godly picture of what the Word of God expects from us as believers, as the church, and what is the relevance of the church in the nation. And, and also, for those of you who are in the marketplace, to give you a perspective of how you are to conduct yourself. If you're a leader in the marketplace, then we'll deal with one session concerning voting, why it's relevant, why it's important for you to be involved in voting. Right? Most of us are like, yeah, but we don't have a real democracy anyway. You vote for that person, but in the end, it will all turn out in that way. You know, the Chinese say that a journey of a thousand miles starts with one footstep. And the, the toppling over of the status quo starts with one vote. And so we're going to go over the next few weeks dealing with these things. And our intention is that you in the marketplace will begin to realize your responsibility and begin to realize the opportunity that you have to see the kingdom of God come on earth. Amen. Awesome. Before we go, I just have a sense that there are people here that God wants to minister to. Uh, there's somebody here. You, you have pains here in your waistline. Really feel like God wants to heal you. And so as we're preaching, keep checking because I, I believe God is, God is healing you. There's someone else here. It's like you, you struggle with this pain in the throat. But it's not, it's not, like, it's not like, like a common cold. It's, it's almost structural. God wants to touch you in that area. And then there's somebody here, you lost your job just recently, and you're on the verge of making bad decisions, and God wants to give you hope. And then there are people here, there's just an, a general sense of hopelessness in your life. And you've tried many things, but God, God wants to tell you, don't give up. Yeah? So if, if you can identify with any of those words... I want to pray for you right now. Just raise your hand where you are. Who want to pray for you? Just stand. Awesome. Those who are around them, just stretch your hand, put them on, on the shoulder. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that they've come to the table of the Lord. They've come to the house of God this evening where all things are possible. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak to that situation. We speak to that hopelessness. We speak to that, that, that infirmity in their body. In the mighty name of Jesus, we uproot you right now. We speak to that situation. We command a change right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we bring hope and we bring peace into their lives. That from tonight, something different will, will be happening in their hearts, in their emotions, in their minds. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word does not return empty and void. But it is right now beginning to change that situation. If you're sick in your body, be healed right now in the name of Jesus.
every infirmity that is causing you pain, that is causing you hopelessness. Live now in Jesus' name. We speak peace and blessing over you in Jesus' name. And everybody shout, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Just keep checking your body throughout the message. And if you understand, you can stand, and, you know, whatever it is you do. And then at the end of the service, if you need more prayer, we'll pray for you. Awesome. So I've got so much to go through, and um, I'll try my best to make it on time as I usually do. <laughs> you guys know me well. And um, yeah, that is just how you guys know me, right? <laughs> so starting off, we're talking here about God's authority and how God designed governance in nations and in the earth. And it all starts from the beginning. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world's systems and all its people belong to Him. So this is the presumption. We start off assuming that we know that we are in God's custody. And this is just because He holds the patent rights. He created it all. It's all His. And that means that there is accountability to God. Even if you refuse it, there is a day on which every man will give account before God. And every woman will give account before God. Right? And you want to live your life in a way as a steward of what God has given you. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to all of humanity. Right? So that means whatever happens on earth is not God's fault, it is man's fault. Because God has for a moment given that custody to mankind. When God created the earth and the heavens, everything was good. And then he gave it to Adam, and Adam gave it away. And so it's really important that you have this mindset so that you stop blaming everyone else for where things are at, why? Because then you will never make a difference with your life. Those who blame others never make a difference with their life. Tell your neighbor, stop blaming everyone else. Get a life. Yeah. Yeah. And you blame everyone else. You're not owning your life. But when you stop blaming, all of a sudden, that sense of responsibility begins to cause you to stand up and say, hey, if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen because I'm going to do something about it. Right? And God has given us the capacity to do that. All right. We're looking here at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, then God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign or have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And we call this the cultural mandate. It means that the culture of heaven, God's culture, is supposed to be expressed on the earth. And it is so important that you realize that this cultural mandate gives us an ability to make changes in the earth today. Today. And as you can see, I mean, there's so many different views about what's the most important being on earth, who are, who, which species is more important. Some people would rather self, save the seal and kill children. But God's view is that mankind is on top 
as regent and ruler and chief steward of God's works. And then Matthew 28 verse 18, Jesus after his resurrection meets his disciples and it says Jesus came and told his disciples, I have I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go and make disciples or students of all the nations. So tonight we are here not just as part of a religious activity. We are making students of all the nations. You are here learning something concerning the kingdom of God. And this is what the church is meant to bring. It's supposed to bring knowledge and understanding concerning the truth. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you even until the end of the age. And so we see here that God's order starts with Him on top, the Godhead and the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Romans 13 says, all authority comes from God. And in that context, he's speaking about government authority, meaning there's no authority that is in place without God's permission. And then God delegates that authority to Christ, and Christ is Jesus and his church. Do you understand? Why? Because the reference in the scripture is that the church is the body of Christ. If I give authority to Philip's head, what does it say about his body? It gains the same authority. So therefore, the authority of Christ is shared and administrated through the church. And then the authority of the individual. Proverbs 25 verse 28 says, A person without self-governance or self-control is like a city with broken walls. Yeah? If you always say, no, the devil made me do it. No, my so-and-so made me do it. If you have no sense of self-control, you say, no, why did you hit your girlfriend? Oh, because she made me do it. You are like a city with broken walls. Anyone can come in and destroy your life, right? And it is so important. One of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the manifestations of the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, is self-control. It is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Because no one can provoke you. The man who can anger you controls you. And so when you've got self-control, it doesn't matter what is the input and the impulse that's coming from the outside. You always have the ability to decide. Viktor Frankl, one of the, the prisoners during the time of the Holocaust in Nazi German, Germany, he writes a book on the meaning of life. And he said that between impulse and response, there is a gap called decision. And he was able to love even those that were keeping him in oppression. Why? Because of this thing. Tell your neighbor, self-control is your key. Some of you are poor and in debt because of this one. I won't mention the other things <laughs> that others are in because of this one. And so on the individual basis... It then breaks off into these four pillars. Firstly, the family. It, it is so important that you understand family is the microcosm. It is the cellular level of what society consists of. Without family, you don't exist. And so God starts with family, and the order of family is designed for the best outcome. It starts with a father, and then a mother, and then the children. 
Anytime you throw that off, you are dealing with the basic foundations of society and you are offending laws that come from the top. And not only will you have that consequence, but you begin to ruin society. Many people have problems in their hearts and in their emotions and traumas because family has been ruined. Many times children are exposed and they have no protection because fathers and mothers have, have abdicated their responsibility in family. So it starts with family. And therefore, it doesn't start with government. Government is not our mommy. And many times we expect from political theory to establish governments that can take care of society as if the government is your mother and father. Wrong! Every time, every time in history that we've time tried, uh, the governments have tried to impose that kind of power over societies, there has always been oppression. But God starts with family, and family needs to be protected by the rest. Then comes the church. Remember, the church is secondary because in the beginning, there was no church. There was just Adam and Eve and their children. So God's design is family. Then the church. In church, there is an order of God. There is leadership. Many times we think that church is like a democracy. We vote on everything. No, it doesn't work like that. And it is so for the protection of those that are under the leadership of the church. And also the church is accountable. The, 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 the powers and the authorities of church leadership are limited. We can't come to your house and tell you how to run your house because there is a family structure that has certain ways and delegations as to how family is supposed to be run. So don't come ask me what kind of color curtains you need to have in your house if you're having a debate with the missus. Do you understand? I'll give you a present worship CD and say, play this. <laughs> and then there's government and politics. Now, government is set in place to avoid anarchy. And it is a, it is a manifestation of the fall of man. And so God puts government in place so that our societies are cohesive, so that we can have some kind of social agreement between differences that exist. And this all comes from God. And then the marketplace, this is the place where wealth is built, and it's the place where industry takes place, and it's the place where economies are, are strengthened. If, if things are going wrong in the marketplace, it affects all of these. And that's why we can't just see God involved in the orange block. God must be involved in your life, in your family, in church. If you're in government, in the government, God. Not, not, not a Christian political party, God. Meaning every party must be accountable to standards of what is right and wrong, whether you are Christian or not. Murder is wrong whether you're a Christian or not. Slavery is wrong whether you're a Christian or not. And so in the marketplace... Many times we, we have a misunderstanding of what the responsibility of the employer is and the responsibility of the employee. And it's so important that if God is operating in the marketplace, you will see different kinds of employers and employees. 
We were talking at the garden politics session that we had last night and saying that the statistics say that Namibia is 98% Christian. 98%. And if you ask most of the civil servants and government workers, if you ask them, are you a Christian? They will say, hey man, hallelujah, I'm a Christian. And some will say, I'm a born, born again <laughs> Christian, right? And then you look at the institution that is filled with these Christians and is full of corruption and full of, it, uh, uh, full of laziness, right? It should have been that if 98% if, if of the nation is Christian, this should be a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant nation. And so yesterday, one of the Anglican bishops that was there on the panel, he said, it's a lie. It's a lie. People don't know what a Christian is. They are lying to themselves, and one day they'll be shocked. Ask your neighbor, are you a Christian? Can we ask your boss? <laughs> Can we ask your boss? Is this a Christian, or is it like when you're giving instruction? Huh? The chief complainer. Right? The Word of God says, do everything without murmuring and complaining. Hmm. Anyway, so, so these are the things that, that God has put in place. And when you look at a nation, these are the pillars that form a nation. Any place where you remove God, whether it be from family, whether it be from church, whether it be from the state or from the marketplace. And even in the context of government, government is not supposed to interfere in the education of the children because that responsibility is the responsibility of the family. But because of the fact that moms and dads have not done their jobs, they have sent their kids to school and hope that that teacher will discipline their children. It's causing a problem. It's causing a problem. So the biblical role of the church, we're going to look at it from this scripture here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. Can we read together? One, two, go. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Stop. So this is a prophecy about 1,500 years before Jesus comes on the scene, and they are prophesying concerning this Messiah that will be a child that will be born, a son that will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Continue. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David, for all eternity and the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. It is amazing if you do some research because some people are atheists just because they don't read. It's true. And it's a shocking thing that you, you can end up in eternal damnation because you just don't read. But it's a spirit of deception. If you consider history and you consider the Bible, the, ma the manner in which Jesus fulfills prophecies to the T. It's, it's impossible that those people that lived thousands of years could speak so specifically about the fulfillment of the Messiah. And then the, the evidence concerning the resurrection of Jesus and all of that. Now for me, or my, my other job is I'm a lawyer. 
So whenever I'm looking at the gospel and the scriptures, I'm looking at it through the eyes of a prosecutor. Yeah. You can't just tell me, believe, believe, believe. It's based on knowledge. It's information. We are not just believing things that were cleverly invented. We are believing facts that were witnessed to us by eyewitnesses. And this is the foundation of our faith. It's the truth. So now, Psalm 89, verse 3 to 4, David says, The Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant, and I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. If you're ever reading in the Gospels, I think it's Matthew where, and Luke, where, where you begin to see him recounting the genealogy. Eh? He starts with, at, at a point, he starts with Abraham and he says, had this son, had this son, up until you find Jesus. It's not just some kind of random appearance of Jesus. He actually tells you the history and the one goes back all the way to Adam. That's why some believe that that's the measurement of the age of the earth. Anyway, but that's another message. Okay. And so there is a promise that is made through King David that goes all the way to Jesus. And it says, he will sit on your throne now until eternity. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. So Jesus is a king. When he was standing before Pontius Pilate, a Roman proconsul over the, over the, the province of, of Judea, and they were saying, this man is calling himself a king. We already have a king. His name is Caesar. Right? He's the emperor. So Jesus is standing on trial before Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate asked him, are you a king? Almost to say, what kind of king are you? Right? Because Jesus is now having a crown of thorns. He's wearing some kind of gimmick that they put on, some kind of purple robe. And he was already thrashed and beaten. And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. Otherwise, my servants would fight. And he's speaking <laughs> to the most powerful empire on earth. And he says, are you a king? He said, you have said. You have said it. So Jesus, he's a ruler. And many of us who grew up in Christianity grew up with a very religious picture of Jesus with a sheep here on his shoulder running through the fields. You know, with a, a reed in his mouth. <laughs> Singing a country music song. That's not Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is ruler of all the realms. And when you, when you cast out demons, you will know that. Okay? And so now we're talking about the biblical role of the church. And these are all prophecies. That David was a prophet speaking about the Messiah coming. In, in Psalm 97, it says, The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the Father's coastlands be glad. Dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. I don't know if you picked up how he says over and over, righteousness and justice, the foundations of his throne. We are talking about kings. Right? And so the government must be careful. <clears throat> Tell your neighbor, the government must be careful. Yeah? They are ruling 
under the rulership of a king that will ask them to, to, to bring accountability. It says we must all appear before the Bema throne, the white throne judgment of Christ, where he sits ruling the, the living and the dead. The, the King James says it nicely. He says he will come judging the quick and the dead. Hmm. It's a movie that came out way back when we were in high school. The living and the dead. No one will escape. No, no one. Tell your neighbor, you are not escaping. <laughs> you must pitch on that day. That job interview, that hearing, you cannot escape. Right? And it's only those who have come under Christ that have had their judgment day already on the cross that day. We have passed from judgment into life. This is the good news. And so the role of the church is fourfold. We're going to run through these. The first one is wonderful counselor. The church is meant to be an intercessor and bring revelation. Number two, everlasting father. These are the names of Jesus. And because we are the body of Christ, we, we, we are supposed to express this character. The second one is everlasting father. That this is where we are fatherly towards the nation. We take place. We take care of the fatherless. We take care of those who are oppressed. We take care. It's, it's our mandate. It's not the government's job. It's our mandate. If there's somebody on the street without food, we should do something about it. But if we're sleeping as a church and we expect others to do it, we are abdicating our role, a role of reformation. And then the Prince of Peace, we are supposed to bring reconciliation and peace. I remember during the time when South Africa was coming into its, its independence, uh, and this was 1994, Bishop Desmond Tutu, very involved, very involved. The nation was on the brink of civil war. And then the message that had to come through is forgiveness, reconciliation, truth. Where do you find that if there is no God? There is no such thing. The only thing that you find if there is no God is not reconciliation, it's retribution. Revenge! That's right. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. It's a survival of the fittest. We now have power, we must now also oppress. But it, it is the church that stood in the balance of that nation saying no. What was done to us, we don't have to do to others. Prince of Peace. And then Mighty God, the prophetic and accountability role. It is a little bit what you are hearing tonight. Will you hear this anywhere else? People telling you, you will give an account. Put your hand on your children. Put your hand on your wife. You will give an account. Speaking the words of God. So that men tremble. <laughs> so that men tremble. And they realize that there is someone that they must be accountable to. Amen? Amen? Go through the four. And so it's really important. Now continue going through a couple of slides. Keep going. Let's read here. Go back. Go back. Yeah, one. A quote here by Hugo Frutis. He said, a man cannot govern a nation if he cannot govern a city. He cannot govern a city if he cannot govern 
a family. He cannot govern a family unless he can govern himself. And he cannot govern himself unless his passions and his feelings and his emotions are subject to reason and truth. Right? We should not allow anyone into power who has no self-control. The story of Africa is the, 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 the theme song of the despots. And it is so important that you realize that we as believers have a mandate to live a life that is self-controlled for the sake of those that we serve and lead. And keep going on. And so it is important that it is important that we realize, go forward, just keep skipping. It is important that we realize, yeah, stop there, the video. It is important that we realize that God's mandate is not only to those who are in the pulpit. It is a mandate to every believer. And I hope you are catching this. Some of you are students. You are studying and you say, I want to be a, a CA so that I can have a lot of money and so that I can finance and sponsor all my sinful passions. <laughs> it's true. If you're not a CA, just look at them like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah? Or is a doctor. Like the whole thing, the reason why I want to study is for selfish ambition. I, so I can, I can get all I can and can all I get. <laughs> this is most of the... And then, when they come to work, they struggle with things like corruption. Of course you'll struggle. Why? Because money is your ultimate aim. You have no purpose beyond that coming to work. You must begin to realize... Is there meaning in what I'm doing? If you are not doing something meaningful, resign. Trust God for something meaningful. Many people are committing suicide nowadays because they have no meaning in their life. It is so important. We're speaking about the everlasting Father, the fact that the church is supposed to have a blanketing arm over everyone. I want us to see this video. Just put up the sound as well. See this video and see what happens here.
Now this is, this is our mandate as the church. Right? We see the world going towards the cliff of oblivion. And we cannot just be here. There's no sin too great. There's no pain. The cross declares it is done. It is finished. And that's all. Come on. People are dying in our city. What are you going to do about it? Ask your neighbor, are you a Christian? Yeah. Ask your other neighbor, is this guy a Christian? Because <laughs> sometimes you can't ask people themselves. They'll lie. They'll say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, no, 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 no. We need to have some evidence. There needs to be evidence. If people were persecuting Christians today, many would not be arrested. Arrest me also. No, no, we, we haven't seen you doing any Christian things. Out of the way. We want the real Christians. Yeah? Why? Prosecutors will not take a case to court if there's no evidence. It's a waste of our time. Get out of the way. Come a Christian. Get out of the way. We need to get to the real Christians for real persecution. Yeah? And so there needs to be evidence. There needs to be evidence of your faith. And it is so important. Some of us, keep going, some of us, we are in the secret service of the Lord. You understand those who are in the secret service? It's like at work, if you ask their colleagues, is so and so a Christian? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> Do you think he's a Christian? Sometimes, I mean, they're a good person, but are they a Christian? Because all of us are good people. I mean, I haven't killed everybody. <laughs> Maybe killed one or two. Right? So most people, if you ask them now, are you a good person? They will say, yeah, yeah. Even the murderers. And so if we go to your, to your workplace, if we go to your government office, and we just ask, can I have the files? Can I just look at the track record and the, the way this person comes to work and the way that they administrate their work, the way they talk, the way they conduct themselves, their compassion, the way they forgive, the way they gossip? Will it be able to say one plus one is Christian or not? Look at your neighbor and ask them, are you a Christian? Look at them. <laughs> now people are like, are you a Christian? <laughs> <laughs> don't feel bad yeah? it's everybody the truth only hurts when you are walking in the wrong direction yeah? just turn around and keep changing yeah? Edmund Burke said it this way all that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing or good women to do nothing yeah? many times there's this song that uh, who's the guy? Babyface yeah? Babyface wrote this song you guys know Babyface? yeah uh, R&B producer, Babyface. He, he made most of these artists. Some people are like, how can the pastor know about Babyface? Anyway, I'm a married guy. Mm. So, Babyface released this song that really struck me. And I think we were in high school or primary school when this song came out. It, it says, there was a girl I used to know. She was all so beautiful. And it's, it's, it's a CV wonder. Thank you. Yes. It was like, mm-hmm. And, and it says, there's this girl that I used to know. Right? She lived just down the road, no? down the hall from our flat. They used to fight every time. She fell in love with the wrong kind of man. 
wouldn't treat her right, treated her so bad, you know. And it's so, it's so typical of people. It's like you want to go and help the neighbors because the girl is getting beaten and your girlfriend is the one that says, baby, just leave them. Let's mind our own business. You know, just leave them alone. Someone is getting killed. There was another video, I don't know if you saw it online, uh, in China, where there was a baby or something that fell off a bike, right? And uh, I think the, the parent was driving the bike and then the baby fell into the street, right? And then a car ran over the baby. And the, the CCTV is, is running. And people are walking past. Walking past. Assuming someone else will obviously do it. Because I'm quickly on my way to work. Uh, brother, quickly. Quickly. And it was maybe like, like half an hour later that someone came close and said, the baby is dead. It's a child. Now, how many times do we have this sense that someone else will do it? Someone else will be the one to change it. The bishop yesterday from the Anglican church was saying, the problem with the church is they are cowards. They, they will only speak when there's like a rally. All of us are there. Yeah, now you can't intimidate us. We are many. Yeah? The CC the CC and the Council of Churches is there. The association of this is there. Association of that is there. But when they say, no, you go alone, sister. You go alone. You see, there's a problem in that part of the government. Just go alone there. Go, go, <laughs> go. We will pray for you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we will pray for you. When you get there, you face opposition. They start to close down your tenders, start to close, persecute your family. Are you still going to stand for Christianity? Are you still going to stand for what is right and true? Ask your neighbor, are you a Christian? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's kind of convenient Christian that everyone just gets on the bus because the train is going. Where's the train going? You don't even know. You just get on the bus. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. You're going to have to count the cost and say, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. Keep going. And so it's critical that you understand that we have to take up our responsibility. Take up our responsibility. And you know what's amazing is I, I wasn't this bold when I was growing up. I was quite a shy guy, a timid guy, introverted. That's my real personality. <laughs> Don't look at me like that, it's true. Ask my sisters, here they are. Huh? Some of my friends, right? But why do we come out like this? It happened when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. In high school, started preaching to teachers. You know? You know when you come in the room and people keep quiet, why? Right? Because corruption can't be done when you are around. <laughs> Everyone apologizes when they blaspheme when you're around, right? It is very right and true because it starts there. If you laugh at jokes about beating girls, soon enough you will stand around when they are killing one. And so the word of God calls us, calls us to begin to Ask the questions from his word and say, how do we build a nation? How do we establish the principles of God? Not here, 
but on Monday when I go to work. Yeah? When I'm, I was stopped. This was probably to share tonight. When I was over there, coming off the Western Bypass, turning into Sam Noyoma, and I saw the traffic officer, and I stopped, and I went. Because I knew I was caught. I was supposed to stop, stop. <laughs> then the guy came right into the street, you know, and I was like, can I maybe drive around him? <laughs> right into the street. Eh? God ordained authority. For those of us who are breaking the... <laughs> hey, so at that point, obviously, you start to pray in your heart. Resha <laughs> kubobo. You pray in your heart. Every kind of tongues must be released. I was blasting my praise and worship. Hopefully that was going to help. Then the guy comes and he asks, did you stop? I said, yeah. <laughs> 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 no, don't say yeah. He started going off. And I just thought to myself, I better apologize now. So I said, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he's going off. And you know how the enemy knows that if he can provoke you, you'll climb out of the car and wrestle down a, pro a police officer, end up in prison that night, <laughs> just because you didn't want to humble yourself. So I just kept quiet, you know, experiencing the governmental authority that comes from heaven. And apologizing, and he asked for my license. I gave him my license. He went around, checked the disc. He went around the car. He tried again to say, Yeah, but you said. I said, No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, don't do it again, okay? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> then there were cars coming. I'm like, Come on, I need to get out of here. It's just to show you. It's just to show you. It doesn't matter the context that we are in. We are not supposed to change. And we are not supposed to vacillate. We should always speak the truth. Do things right. If you messed up, own it. Own it. But it is time for us to begin to say, look, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. Whether they see me, whether I'm in the dark, whether I'm with my other friends, whether I'm with whoever, this is who I am. And I believe that's the beginning of good governance. And we are meant as a church to raise up individuals who are full of strength of character, but full of compassion. That they go out and become CEOs and become ministers and become teachers and become nurses. Um, my wife is a doctor and she's doing her internship at the moment. Sometimes it is shocking. The way that people that you entrust your, 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 own, your own brother and sister in the hospital, please take good care of them. And they will be neglected by a nurse or a doctor who has no character, no integrity. It needs to stop. Tell the person next to you, it starts with you. It starts with you. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to deal with these issues. 
I want to ask you, look, when truth comes and you feel pricked in your heart, don't go to guilt and, oh, woe is me. I'm, I'm, uh, don't go there. Rise. Rise and say, Lord, I see where my error is. Will you help me change? Amen? Let us stand. So tonight I want to pray for two groups of people. The first group of people is you've got a strong conviction that you're called to a certain area in the marketplace or in government or whatever it is. You've got a strong conviction, but you really just want the affirmation of the Holy Spirit to tell you, yes, this is the one that you're supposed to jump into. Go for it. And then secondly, I want to pray for people who are not sure. You're the kind of person, you like too many things. I'm a musician, but maybe I can... You, you like so many things. And God wants you to focus in for this season in the area where He's calling you. So first group of people, just raise your hand. You're sure this is the area where I need to go. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you for that strength. So Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I pray for people who are raising their hands. I thank you, Lord, that they have a sense of where they need to go into. I pray right now that that conviction will increase, that they'll begin to feel a burning desire to fulfill their purpose, that they will wake up in the morning with a sense of purpose, that they'll go to bed at night dreaming about the solutions that they'll be bringing into the earth because of your blessing upon them. I pray, Lord, that they will not vacillate or give in to doubts and fears. Oh, there's not enough money. Where will I get the capital? Where will I get this? The Lord your God is with you. And so, Father, I pray for a release tonight. Just grace and your power. Lord, let your voice be strong in their hearts. Let them begin to experience you in this area in Jesus' name. And for those who are not sure, you can put your hands down. Those who are not sure which area, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that you don't make any, any extras. Every single individual is unique and for a purpose, Lord. And tonight, for those who are raising their hands, I pray, God, that they'll begin to realize that they are not just another person. That they are unique. They've got unique abilities, unique talents. I pray that you open up their eyes, God. That they'll begin to realize what their skill is. What their big talent is. What it is that they are supposed to bring into the earth. To display the glory of God. And to advance the kingdom of God. Justice and righteousness and mercy and freedom and peace. And blessing. I pray, Lord, the things that have been confusing them, that those voices will be silenced. I pray that this week they'll begin to have divine encounters just by accident, being at the right place at the right time, realizing what it is that they need to do with their lives and that they'll stop wasting time watching all sorts of nonsense and that they'll spend their time discovering their initial purpose in God and their purpose for which they were born for. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.